I'm going to move fast today. There's, there's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, three weeks ago or so, Zach did a message on water baptism called Fully Immersed. It was a great message, really explained what water baptism is and why we do it. And one of the things that Zach shared, and I'm not going to re-preach his points, but I want to tie into it today. One of the things he shared was, it's not water baptism that saves us, but water baptism is our first act of obedience to Christ when we choose to follow him. So today we're going to be baptizing people after this service. When Zach finished his message, immediately we had a big response. As a matter of fact, we had such a big response that we realized we couldn't baptize all those people in one Sunday. So we extended it to two weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, to accommodate all the people. Because by last weekend, we had almost 100 people signed up for water baptism. Isn't that an amazing thing? Well, a cooler thing is, after last weekend and this week, as of this morning... We've got 128 people signed up to be baptized in water. So we're going to stretch it out over three weeks to accommodate all the people. So it it may wind up being a month of water baptisms, but God's doing some cool stuff here at the bridge, and we are a part of it. Let me get into my message. I want to talk to you today about a title that I hope will tie in with this moment, simply called Out of the Water. Out of the Water. Water baptism says, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he was raised from the dead to give me new life. Water baptism also says, I surrender my old life to Christ so I can accept the new life that he's giving me. There's something significant about water baptism. Zach taught on it. I've referred to it for a moment. But there's something significant about going into the water and then coming up out of the water. Because it speaks of an experience with God which will lead to more experiences with God. Now let me make this little side thought uh, real clear today. If you're being baptized today or next week or the following week or you're going to be baptized soon, I make this promise to you. We will put you into the water but the good news is we are going to lift you up out of the water we're not going to leave you there okay i heard a preacher one time who said he baptized a guy who had been so evil and so rotten he wasn't sure if it was going to take so he held him under until the bubbles quit coming up just to make sure we will not do that to you here okay but let's talk about water baptism and i want to tell you a story acts chapter 8 gives us this story And it'll take a couple of minutes for me to set this up, and then we're going to read from Acts 8. There was a man in the New Testament in the early church whose name was Philip. He began as a deacon, a servant in in the church involved with feeding widows. But his, his heart grew, his heart expanded. God put a call on his life. By the end of his life, he had become known as Philip the Evangelist. He preached all across the nation of Israel the good news about Jesus. But Philip, his first real adventure in preaching that we know of, he went to Samaria, a place where nobody else wanted to go, and he preached Jesus, and and a revival broke out. Hundreds, thousands of people were coming to faith in Jesus. And he he was preaching this red-hot revival, and all these great things are happening. Miracles are taking place. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. The whole city, the whole area was just turned upside down for Jesus. But then in the middle of all this, he called in the apostles... 
And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, I want you to leave this revival and I want you to go to Gaza, to a desert area. God didn't tell him why to go. He just told him to go. So Philip left the revival in Samaria. He went to Gaza, to this desert area. And when he gets there, he sees this entourage passing down the road. And what it was, it was a man in a chariot who was from Ethiopia. He was a very important man in Ethiopia. He was a prominent man. He was the treasurer of that nation under King or Queen Candace. And what we find about this man is he was in his chariot with this entourage of people protecting him as he traveled. And as the, as the chariot was moving along, Philip ran up close to see what was going on. And he saw him reading scripture from Isaiah, what we would know, Isaiah 53. And Philip asked him, do you know what you're reading? And he looked at him and said, I don't know who he's talking about. Is he talking about himself? Is it somebody else? Philip saw that Isaiah 53 was speaking of Jesus prophetically. So Philip got in the chariot and explained to him the whole story about Jesus. Now, here's what's really interesting. This Ethiopian man had been to Jerusalem to worship. He was seeking God. We don't know how well he was accepted there. Certainly who he was carried weight, but we don't know how he was accepted by the Jewish religion. But now he's on his way home and he still has a hunger to know God and to know about God. So Philip preaches Jesus to him and explains to him, if you believe in Jesus, you need to be baptized in water. As they're going down the road in this chariot, they come to a body of water, probably a small pond. And this Ethiopian looks at Philip and says, would you baptize me? And Philip says, only if you believe with all your heart. And he said, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So they get out of the chariot, and here's what happens. They go down to the water, and Philip baptizes him in that little body of water. Now look at, at Acts 8, verse 39. We're going to read just one verse here. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Now try to picture that in your mind. When they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. When they came up out of the water. There's something significant about water baptism going into the water, but there's something significant about coming up out of the water. Now, I want us to take just a couple of minutes and focus on two things from this story. Let's look first of all at Philip in his perspective. Here this servant of God has left this red hot revival to go down to speak to just one man. He takes him down to the water. He baptizes him. And when he pulls him up out of the water, just like that, the spirit of God catches Philip away. Now, I've been in ministry a lot of years, been in church all my life. I've heard stories about Philip and I've heard this story talked about. I've always kind of tried to picture it in my mind. And, and I kind of thought that, you know, when, when they come up out of the water, suddenly Philip's just invisible. He's just gone. And then he kind of just materializes somewhere else. What happened was Philip shows up about 20 miles away from where he baptized this man. But it might have been that Philip was not just suddenly invisible and gone. It says the Spirit of God caught him away. It might be that suddenly he just began to soar through the air and God dropped him down 20 miles away. Now, from Philip's perspective, what do you say to that? Whoa, that's pretty cool. That is pretty 
cool. I go all the way down there. I obey the Lord. And whoosh, I don't even have to get a taxi. I don't need an Uber, man. God just brings me where I need to be next. But then let's turn it and look at it from this Ethiopian's perspective. This man has been searching for God. He's been to Jerusalem looking for God. He's still searching, riding home. And God sends a servant to direct him to Jesus. When he puts his faith in Jesus and goes into the water, when he comes up out of the water, as soon as he stands up, he sees Philip just fly off and be long gone. What do you think he's saying? Wow, this is quite an experience. What an amazing story. But here's what I want you to notice today. Can you imagine this Ethiopian's thoughts when Philip's caught away and he thought, this guy just led me to Jesus. He's just explained the scripture. What do I do now? Now that I come up out of the water, what's next? That's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes. And I want to show you three simple things today, the remaining part of this message. Number one, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. For if anyone, anyone is... In Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. First thing, when you come up out of the water, things are different. Things are new. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and your Savior, Paul said in this passage of Scripture, everything becomes new. But I want you to notice the first words of that verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the phrase, the words in Christ, that word in means to be in a fixed position of rest. He didn't just say if you believe in Christ. He says if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are now in a fixed position where you cannot be moved and you can come to a place of rest in God. Some of us have been on a journey for a long time to find God and to know God. I'm going to tell you something. When you get placed in Christ, the journey ends because you know you found the eternal truth of Jesus Christ. God places us. He fixes us in a place of rest in Christ. But notice... We don't place ourselves there. It is God who places us in Christ in that fixed position. And when we are in Christ, we enter a place of rest where nothing can separate us from the love of God. When you come up out of the water, you're safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God, now listen to this, God places you in him and when he looks at you he sees Jesus and he sees you as he sees Jesus because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you Amen. see some of us struggle with who am I what am I let me tell you who you are you're a child of God we taught on this back in the month of January if you're in the family of God he's placed you there he's justified you he says it's just as if you never sinned you are in my family you are my child and you are here forever so you need to rest in Christ. So in Christ, what's new? Everything. Everything. It's a whole new life. Not only that, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us 
that when we are in Christ, God seats us in the heavenly places in Christ. Which means the benefits of heaven, the blessings of heaven are not only God's and not only belong to Christ his son, but they now also belong to us because God seats us in the heavenly places for heavenly experiences in Christ. That's where we sit, in Christ. You know, earlier in the, early in the 20th century, close to 100 years ago, there were these two students, college students, two young men, who had a break in their school schedule and they were going to travel home, so they went to catch a train to, to ride several hours to their home. But it so happened the two young men didn't know each other, but they ended up sitting next to each other. One was from Princeton, one was from Yale. And of course, Princeton and Yale, they have this rivalry even going back 100 years or more. So they have this rivalry. So immediately, one gets on and sits down with his Princeton sweater. Along comes a guy to sit down next to him with the Yale sweater. And they start barbing each other. And this rivalry comes to life. So they're kind of going back and forth. And so the guy from Yale who got on second or last, he begins to put his stuff under the seats and get situated there. And he lays his coat down on the seat. And while he's looking under the seat and putting things away, his ticket's sticking out of the pocket. So the guy from Princeton just reaches over and pulls his ticket out and puts it in his coat pocket and thought, I'll have some fun with this. So a little while later, they hear the conductor coming down the aisle and he says, okay, I got to have your tickets. When I get to your aisle, give me your tickets. If you don't have a ticket, you got to get off. So the guy from Princeton pulls out his ticket. The guy from Yale starts looking and he can't find his ticket. Searching frantically. He doesn't have any more money. doesn't know how he's going to get home. All of a sudden, fear grips him, and he's terrified. And the guy from Princeton said, what's the matter? And he says, I can't find my ticket. I must have lost it. I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I'll tell you what. Crawl under the seat and hide, and I'll put your coat over you where he can't see you. He won't even know you're on the train. He said, okay. The guy crawls under the seat. He puts his coat down where he can't see him. So the conductor comes along, and the guy from Princeton pulls out two tickets and hands him two tickets. He said, what's the other ticket for? And he pulls back the coat and points. And the conductor says, what in the world is he doing riding down there? And he says, oh, I don't know. He just likes to ride that way. <laughs> you know what's sad? There are a lot of Christians who've been seated with Christ in heavenly places, but they think they're still riding under the seat because they don't realize everything is new and God has seated us in Christ in heavenly places and all of heaven is now available to us. We need to wake up to the new life that God has. We don't have to live the old life. We have a new life in Christ. But in order to live that new life, we've got to be willing to release the old life. So number one, in Christ, everything becomes new. Number two, when you come up out of the water, some things need to be left in the water. I want to show you this from scripture. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says this. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. See, one of the things that happens in baptism is we identify with the death of Jesus and we say, my old life was a life of sin and failure, made a lot of mistakes, 
God's forgiven me now. I am dead to the old life. And when I come up out of the water, I'm going to step into this brand new life. Because that's what God's promised to us. But here's the thing. There are some things, when we come out of the water, we need to change our thinking. And there's some stuff we need to live in the water, leave in the water. Let me give you two or three things real quick. Number one, when you come up out of the water, you need to leave your past in the water. Does anybody here have a past? Anybody here have some things you'd just soon not talk about that are behind you? Then you need to quit talking about those things and leave them in the water. Because they are gone. They're washed away in the blood of Jesus. I need to leave my past in the water. Colossians chapter 2 says that when Christ went to the cross, a big long list of all of our mistakes, all of our sins, all the laws we had broken, all the things we could not live up to, all of that was nailed to his cross and taken away from us. So that in the future, we would no longer have to carry the burden of our sin and the mistakes we had made. And I'm going to tell you something. I know Christians who go through their whole lives living with regrets. Well, I did this and I did that and I shouldn't have done this. And they let it shape their future. When it's nailed to the cross and you accept Christ as your Savior, you need to leave the old life and the failures and the past in the water and accept the fact that God has forgiven you because you're free in Jesus. We're free in Jesus. And 1 Peter 3 says this. When we're baptized... There's a washing that takes place. And Peter said it's not the washing of the filth of the flesh. He said it's the washing of our minds to bring us a clean conscience. Let me ask you a question today. If God has forgiven you, why could you not forgive yourself? If the one who keeps the records, if the one that we have to answer to in eternity, if he says, I have no record of it, I no longer remember what you did back there. If God chooses to forgive and forget, why do we keep hanging on to our mistakes? You know who the accuser of the brethren is? You know who the guy is that points fingers at us? Scripture says it's Satan. I'm going to tell you, we've all got a past. We all have a memory. It's a blessing that can also be a curse. We need to come to a place where every time we've made a mistake, we need to go and ask God for forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I don't have to carry the guilt, the shame, the defeat of that. I can turn loose of it and leave it under the blood of Jesus and then go on and enjoy the new life that God has. When you come up out of the water, let God cleanse your conscience and leave the guilt behind. And then one more thing. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We come up out of the water into a new life. The old life is dead. Our new life is in Christ. So therefore, he said, put on Christ. Which brings me to this. When you come up out of the water, you need to leave your old identity in the water. Who I used to be, I am no more. I have some friends that I've been friends with for many, many years. I got to see some of my old friends a few months ago that, that I've been friends with way back to my teenage day, days. And whenever we get together, we talk about things that we did back then. 
And God's blessed me with the gift of instigation. And I, you know, I, I don't talk about the things that I did wrong, but I'm quick to bring up my friends and remind them of some of the stupid things they did. But here's the interesting thing. The interesting thing is when you come up out of the water, you don't have to wear who you were. You can now wear who Christ is. And Paul said, we need to come up out of the water and we need to put on Christ. Put on this new man. I need to forget the identity of who I was and what I did. I need to put on the purity of Christ and I need to wear Jesus. If we've been baptized into Christ, we can put on Christ. The old me is washed away. I can now put on and wear the new me. I can walk differently. I can talk differently. I can think differently because now I am in Christ. Several years ago, I was talking with a woman one day and there was a problem and a controversy and there had been a disagreement. Something happened. I went to talk to this lady. Man, she just blew up. And she said, this is just how I am. This is how God made me. If you don't like it and if anybody else doesn't like it, that's their problem, not my problem. I don't want to live my life being a problem for everybody else. I've made plenty of mistakes. I still make mistakes. But I'm going to tell you something. God wants us to put on a new person. God wants to put the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He wants to put the nature of Jesus in our lives. And if we give our hearts and lives to Him, when we bury the old man and we come up out of the water, we can put on a whole new identity in Christ and we can live as different people. And then there's a third thing that I want to talk about. When you come up out of the water, you begin a journey into new experiences with God. Ephesians 3, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church and he's telling them about a prayer and what he has in his heart for them. And I'm going to jump into the middle of it for time, but in Ephesians 3.18, this is what Paul says. I want you to be able to comprehend, to comprehend. In the original writings, in the Greek, that word comprehend means to grasp something and to hold it for yourself. Paul said, I want you to grab this and I want you to hold on to it for yourself. That with all the believers, I want you to know what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, I think there are some people who live their lives in Christ looking over their shoulder. God did this. God did this. He saved me. He forgave me. He cleansed me. He led me into this new life. And they talk about what happened 40 years ago. And that's great. That's a wonderful springboard. But can I tell you something? God never stops working in our lives. And there are a lot of people who live with this attitude of, well, it already happened. I already experienced salvation. I accepted the Lord. I did that back then. So now if I can just get through life and make it to heaven, maybe things will be okay someday. That's not the will of God for us to live in that mindset. Because God wants us to understand once we've experienced our salvation, when we come up out of that water, this new life is a life of new experiences 
in God. In other words, God wants to keep showing up in your life, proving himself time and time and time again. In Christ, the promises of God become mine to believe and to receive. Can I tell you something? Life is full of challenges, all kinds of challenges. There are a lot of good things that happen in life, but there are some challenging things that happen as well. Did you know for every challenge of life, God's made a promise to get you through that challenge? No, did you know every situation of life, God said, I will not abandon you. I will be there for you. I will be there with you. And God says, take these promises, learn these promises, read these promises, burn them into your hearts. Because when you're facing moments of challenge, God says, I have a promise for every situation and I'm going to meet your need. I've learned in my life that when you cannot provide things for yourself, God will show up to bring to you what you need. Jesus said, if you being evil give good gifts to your children, how much more does our Father in heaven want to bestow good gifts on his children? See, God wants to be God in every area of your life, and he wants to provide for you. Scripture says that in Christ, the mercies of God are new and abundant every single morning. In every situation that I face in life, I will never, ever be abandoned. I love the 23rd Psalm. It says so much about God's care for us. But one of the things that the psalmist wrote, and if you study the life of David, he lived in a lot of dangerous situations for several years. His life was at risk every single day, literally for years. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod, your staff, your strength, they encourage me and they comfort me. We're living in crazy times. We've seen more the past few years than most of us ever dreamed we would see. But can I tell you something? God never intended for us to be consumed with the spirit of fear and be afraid of today or tomorrow or the next day because the peace of God that surpasses all understanding lives in us to guard our hearts and our minds because we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ And I I am very much aware, I'm almost finished, I'm very much aware there are people in this room today, your hearts are hurting today. You're facing challenges. You're hurting for family. You're hurting for friends. Maybe you're looking around and you don't know how your needs are going to be met the first few days. I know we're living in difficult times. But that same psalmist said, I once was young, but now I'm old. In all my days, I've never seen the righteous for second. And I've never seen God's seed out begging for bread. Let me tell you something. I don't need to promise you because God's already promised you. He will take care of you because you are in Christ. Trust him. In closing today, my journey, from the time I committed my life to Christ and laid it all down, I learned quickly that there are experiences in God. I'm still having experiences in God. God's teaching me things, showing me things. God's still providing and doing things in my life. As I began to walk with God as a young man, it took a while because some of us are slow learners. Any slow learners in the house? I'm a little slow sometimes. It took me a while, but I began to discover who God really was, who Christ really was, who I am in Christ. 
who I no longer had to be. I know what it is to have God deliver me from fear and concerns about my own weaknesses and failures. I know what it is to move from bondage into freedom because I've had those experiences in God. I also know what it is to experience God's healing, spirit, soul, and body. Let me tell you something. God is still healing people today. We hear stories all the time. He's still a healer. He'll still set you free and liberate you. I began to learn from myself that in every situation of life, God had wisdom and direction if I just stop and let him lead me. He's still directing my life today. I've seen God's hand of protection in some pretty unusual situations. I've ended up a couple times in nations around the globe, places where I probably shouldn't have been there once I got there. And I could hear army cannons going off 100 miles away thinking, dear God in heaven, what am I doing here? But I've seen God's hand of protection because he said he would protect. I've seen God's provision. When I got down to the end of myself, I've seen God step in and bring provision where there seemed to be no way. And I've learned that God's promises are mine. And I believe them and I embrace them. And I still see God being God in my life day after day after day. Because I'm in Christ. And if you're in Christ in this new life, his provision, his promises, they're yours today. Embrace them. Believe them. Let God be big in your life. I want to pray with you today. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, I know who you are. I know what you've done in my life. I know what you said you would be and who you said you would be. God, we embrace all of that today. Don't ever let us come to a place where our experience with you is all about yesterday, but let us grow in our relationship where we live in Christ and we think in Christ and we believe in Christ and we see the provisions of Christ in our life every day. Father, there are people in this room today, they need you to show up today and their hearts are reaching out to you right now. God, I'm asking you to show up to encourage people, to comfort people, to strengthen them, to lift up their faith, to give them a promise that they can hold on to that know, they know that they know that they know. You will not fail them, but you will be God in this situation, in this season of life. God, encourage us, strengthen our trust in you today in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online or listening to this later in a podcast, and maybe you have never accepted your place in Christ. Maybe you've never come to the place where you lay down the old life and say, I'm ready follow God I'm ready to find a new life but maybe today something is turning in your heart and you're realizing this is real I need to respond to this what is this I'm feeling that's the spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart the only thing God is looking for you is for you to open the door and say yes God I need you we do that with words we call it prayer but it's just communication it's talking to God maybe today you are ready maybe you've been the prodigal on the run and you know it's time to come home Maybe today you're ready to commit your heart and life to Christ and take the first step, letting him be God in your life. I want to lead you in a prayer, and there's nothing special about my words. It's just simple words of faith. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me and let these words become your words and let God start working in your life today. This is not about religion. It's about relationship with God. 
with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you in the room to pray this prayer. You don't need to scream it. You may just want to whisper it, but pray it right out loud. If you're watching at home, join us in this prayer. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. And I open my life to you. Please come into my heart. I ask forgiveness of my sin. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I lay down the old life. I want to find a new life in you. I want to learn your ways. I want you to be my Father. So from this moment forward, you'll be my Lord. I'll be your child. I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you're starting a journey just like the Ethiopian that came up out of the water and you wonder what's next. We want to help you get started. We've got a little booklet. We want to give you no strings attached. It's just information to read the next week. Helps you understand how much God loves you and what he wants to do in your future. We want to give this to you. When service is over today, there'll be prayer teams on each side of the building down front. They'll have these booklets. You can just walk up and ask them for one. No strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, there's a counter set up there. You can stop there. The next seven days desk, they'll give you the same booklet there. It's our free gift to help you start walking with God. And we want to welcome you into God's family today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers? God bless you. Now, I'm going to flip out right now. I'm going to go change because we're going to start baptizing in water in just a few minutes. Can we give God one more amen of praise today? But before we do that, we have a few more things before we conclude service. And at this time in our service, we are going to worship God with our giving. And you can see on the screens the different ways in which you can give. If you're here and you'd like to give in person today, we do have giving stations available on each side of the auditorium exit doors just before you leave the auditorium. And then also just before you enter the Bridge Kids Wing in the foyer, okay? And now today... In addition to our regular tithes and offerings, we have this special opportunity that you heard Pastor Gary mention earlier in the service. We are going to be receiving an offering to help those in the Ukraine. And like he said, there's just so many women and children who are leaving their homes, leaving their families because the husbands have to stay. They're not permitted to leave and, and they're leaving everything and churches are there helping them. And so we are going to help the churches who are helping them. And so if you would like to give into that, helping these precious people in Ukraine, you can just designate your giving to outreach and everything that comes in today for outreach will be given to help in Ukraine. All right. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. 
thank you for truly helping make a difference in people's lives around the globe. We're so grateful for you and for the generosity of this church. God bless you as you give today. And then just before we go, also a couple quick things we want to let you know about. First of all, we have had such an overwhelming response to our new Bridge Women series and the resources that are available for that. And we had sold out last week, so we've ordered more. And we do have more available for purchase today, these study journals and the scripture cards. And there is a small table set up right next to the info center out in the foyer. So if you haven't gotten your resources yet for the Bridge Women series, stop by there, pick that up before you leave today, all right? And now, as we prepare to go out and just celebrate with those being baptized, we want to ask a couple of things. Well, first of all, before we head out, I do want to say, if you are here and you are thinking, I want to get baptized, I haven't signed up, you can still get in on this. We're going to be baptizing, like you heard, for a few weeks in a row. And we've still got space uh, two weeks from today. You can sign up on the website or on the church app, okay? But for today, as we head out, we just want to ask that the family members of those who are being baptized can be close enough to take pictures and celebrate with their family members. So let's make room as we gather around. Let's make room for family members. And then once your family member has been baptized, if you would just slip off to the side or step back a bit so the next family members can be there to celebrate with their loved ones. All right? This is such an awesome day. We're so excited to celebrate as people are baptized. So join us out in the foyer as we do that. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. 